Breaking the stigma of addiction. This is Zach's life, a story of love, addiction, loss, grief, and recovery. Reflecting on Zachary Horton and others in our community, both, both inside and outside of their addiction. addiction. Hosted by Jim Horton of the Zachary Horton Foundation. Hello, everyone. This is Jim Horton. I'm here today with Todd Harris of Total Life Change. Uh, for those in the recovery community in Fresno, uh, Todd is an, a, a, a very, oh, I don't want to say old name, Todd. Let me say seasoned name. <laughs> uh, but we're, I'm just so thankful to, to have you uh, uh, here today and, and excited. To, I, I want to talk about the things that you're, the things that you're doing um, uh, with, your, with your business. Uh, I, I want to uh, talk about... Uh, maybe we can dive in a little bit to the recovery community in general. And I know that you and I also discussed, we've been sharing for a little bit of time today. Hey, and let me just say, if anyone here ever has an opportunity to sit down with Todd, it is time well spent. Well, thanks, so, <laughs> It's just been a, a, amazing so far. But we're going we're, we're gonna to focus a large portion of our discussion today. We'll be bringing it back to love. So when I ask uh, Todd of uh, Zach's story of... Uh, of love, addiction, loss, grief, or recovery, uh, what he wanted to to focus on, uh, and no surprise, Todd said love. So sure. again, Todd, th- thanks so much for for being here. Tell our audience just a little bit, the people who don't know you, give us a little history of, of who you are and, and what you're doing now. All right. Thanks, Jim, for having me on today. You know, I'm a native of the Valley, born and raised here. Dad's a principal, 40 years, elementary school, mom's teacher. Got an older sister and two younger brothers. Um, I never missed a meal at home. I, I, the love in my house was unbelievable. But I got to the point in my journey that uh, there's a thought that I have that perfect love casts out fear, but uh, fear casts out that perfect love. And so I started to have some fears and some stigmas in life that I didn't measure up that, you know, hey, you know, I want to be like this guy or, you know, I want to fit in and... Uh, it's just a real interesting thought as you're growing up, how you kind of connect and feel loved and accepted and not have that low self-esteem. And I, I found alcohol. I found marijuana first, just trying to kind of build my self-esteem a little bit. But as I uh, continued down that journey, it was a uh, a lifestyle that took me to a place I didn't want to go, kept me long enough, I wanted to stay. And the, the great thing about what, uh, the Horton Foundation is doing. It's breaking this stigma. And I was thinking about that the other day. I was thinking, you know, if we can break the stigma, love can abound more. And I was thinking about just in that time and presence of when I was 23 years old and I, and I had to walk into a treatment center and I didn't know how to get help. And I remember a guy came up to me and he said, so you want help? Huh? He says, well, go into that house right there and tell the people you love the most you love the most that you need help. If anybody's out here hearing this today, I just want to let you know that there's hope. And hope is when you start to tell people that love you the most. And there is someone out there that loves you. If it isn't anybody else, it'd be me. And I want to meet you where you're at. Because the minute I said that, they said, it was the craziest thing. They said, yeah, Todd, everybody knows you need help but you, man. We want to get you there. And so started that process. But the fact of the matter is, you know, you go through these treatment programs. I went to a 
three-day detox, a six-month outpatient program. They made you go to these AA meetings, but the stigma was so bad in those meetings. I'll never forget, I go to this first meeting. My drug of choice was not um, alcohol, it was cocaine. And I, the stigma was, ah, you know, this is alcohol, you need to go. I'm going, hey, hold on a minute, man. I'm just trying to get... I'm just trying to get through life right now. I don't need you to tell me that I can't leave the meetings I'm supposed to go to. Give me a break here. And there were some guys in there. There were some guys in there that said, hey, Todd, you just keep coming back. One old lady, I just did her funeral the other day. Her name was Carol B. She said, uh, Todd, please keep coming back. And that's half the process is bring the body. The spirit will follow. You know, because this process is about reuniting the love that people have for you. And first, you got to love yourself. I didn't know how to love myself, Jim. I'd, I had no idea. I'd, I'd been just in these dark places for so long, and I didn't want to stay there anymore. Mm. And I wanted to be around like-minded people that could love me where I'm at. So then eventually, I could love myself. That's just the start of the journey, you know? I mean, that, it's just... A, the tip of the iceberg and you start to walk into this process called recovery and recovery doesn't take much. It takes everything you got. And sometimes you don't want to give it, but those are the times you got to push into it and you got to not shrink back. And you got to remember that, uh, the only requirement for this process to happen is a willingness, a willingness to just embrace the change. And I started to embrace the change and I started to break through some of that stigma and I just stuck around those meetings. I stuck around. I actually followed direction. And you know, a lot of times it's hard to follow direction when you're such a defiant individual within yourself. You, so, you know, you know, Todd, I want, I want to go back real quickly because one of the things that you mentioned that I found that I found so endearing in the recovery community, when I would go to meetings Early on with Zach, before before he was in treatment, when we first found there was, you know, we, we couldn't find any treatment facility in town. This was three or four years ago before things were available, especially for adolescents. So, you know, I took him to an NA meeting, you know, and I took him to an AA meeting. And so I took him out. And one of the things that 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 I found the, the, the most endearing about those meetings is what you said is that the people that are there, they... They love you right where you're at, or they mm-hmm. accept you right where they're at. Right well, one because at. they, either one, they've been there, they know what it's like, they've got family that's been there, and I never thought about this till this very minute right now. I wonder if somehow how interesting that would have been for my son to have felt total acceptance in his worst moments. Where from his family that has loved him his whole life, he was feeling now whether we loved him or not because we did we loved him deeply. Oh, I know, but he wasn't feeling that from us. No, right? Because because I have my parent hat on. Right, I have the ass kicking hat on. Right, That's right. You know it, and hey, buddy, you need it again today. You know we got to change this behavior. Sure. We got to blah 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 blah. But but how how interesting how interesting that is, and and that. That just hit me. And again, that's part of, uh, and you've already alluded to it, thank you so many times today, about, you know, our mission is about breaking the stigma of addiction. Absolutely. And and once we realized that that's where Zach was, uh, you know, how different I could have reacted and just gave him that love. 
and and not the judgment. Now, I mean, gosh, how hard would that be for for a dad or for a parent or a loved one of someone suffering from addiction just to give them love? So it's you've got to mix that in with setting boundaries, and you've got to mix it in, you know, with 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 all the hard work. But it can't be divorced from the from the love. So you bring up one of the most intriguing. Uh, awarenesses in this evolution I've had being uh, in this field for 34 years. And that is he, Jim just said tough love. I believe tough love can be just as harmful as the drug itself. I think there's a term called healthy love that I believe the family is just as sick as the alcoholic. Now, now what, what do you mean? What do you what do you mean by because I, I think I know what you mean but what do you mean by that that the family is just as sick as the alcoholic or the addict their drug is trying to fix this individual and they'll go to any means to try to get their drug of fix that's their fix and in that fix comes depression comes heightened anxiety comes sleepless nights comes crying comes looking down dark alleys, uh, rescuing at multiple levels that never work. And they become so taxed by that addiction to fix that they don't realize that the best healthy love they can give is to start to get healthy themselves and not be the hammer because that's what I thought of when my dad was going to do. And there was guilt and shame, everything I'd done. I, you know, he was a prominent guy in this society. And, you know, he, and I was going, man, I just, I've done so much damage to his name. And, I, and, you know, I said, that's the last person. But these people in the rooms love me talk. I love myself. Not all of them. Some of them said, you need to not talk about drugs. And I says, hey, you know what? Okay, I'll tell you, I'm an alcoholic just to appease you, but I'm a cocaine addict, you know? Give me a break, <laughs> right? But then these other guys go, hey, man, you just keep coming back, man. That, that was really good. Just keep sharing from your heart, you know? More will be revealed. And as more was revealed, it took me five years to really come to. I believe that you can stop the substance, but it doesn't stop the distorted thinking. And I believe it takes the family just as long to get over those uh, initial wanting to, ah, is this caretaking or is it caregiving? Because there's a difference between caretaking and caregiving. We were just talking before we started this uh, podcast today about giving, right? Yeah. There's giving yes. out of the abundance of your heart. And then we just yes. talked about love, right? Yes. That's love. It's caretaking when you're taking because it's doing something that's going to feed you that crosses a boundary in this other person that you love. So as I have uh, had the great opportunity to start Total Life Change, um, we have a model. And, and, and let me, Sabi, before you say yeah. this, Todd, if it sounds like you're in church, that may be because Todd was a pastor for 25 years yeah. uh, plus. <laughs> so, so, and, and total life change has, has come out of that. So, uh, amen, brother, you just yeah. keep going. Don't stop yeah. now. No, no, that that's it. <laughs> so I still am, uh, uh, leading the celebrate recovery charge here in town. Anybody that knows what celebrate recovery is, it's a, it's a recovery program with a large umbrella, which many people come to recover, not just the addict, the alcoholic. Cause I just firmly believe that, the hurts, habits, and hangups affect us all. And if we can get everybody speaking the same language, speaking the same recovery, healthiness, then when we do cross our boundaries, we can keep short accounts 
and we can have this thing we call love become more communicative in how we engage each other without missing each other. And that builds family, that builds health, that builds a sense of being your best self of who you are. And so the, the question today is, is, as Jim asked me to come on, is the fact of the matter is that Total Life Chain was birthed out of that time I had and I still am a pastor. I still pastor over at Clovis Hills Community Church, a volunteer pastor over there. I run all the recovery ministries. But my full-time job is total life change. And what I found to be true is, is that people just don't have a place to go. I mean, they're just so ashamed. Well, if I go to my church, they're going to know something's wrong. Well, everybody's got problems last time I checked. But there has to be a safe environment where you can come and you can just say, you know, here's where I'm at. And so Total Life Change came out of that so we could just find a place where we could come, get an assessment where then we can navigate you to the right fit. Not everybody's going to fit in Total Life Change. Not everybody's going to fit in AA, NACR. Not everybody's going to fit in a church. Not everybody's going to fit in uh, in a small group. But there is hope for a brighter tomorrow, and that breaks the stigma that there isn't a cookie-cutter way to find freedom that builds you back to that perfect love that casts out fear. Because we all walk in fear. We walk in a forest of fears every day. Sure. Right? And when you look at what fear is, a lot of times it's just that false evidence appearing real. A lot of times when I can process through it in a safe environment, I go, yeah, you know what? That isn't as big as I thought it was. Really, there's other people going through this too? Absolutely, there's people going through this. But how do you find like-minded people on the same journey that have a solution that builds hope and not despair? Hmm. So I, I look at uh, life in a whole different perspective today and the evolution of recovery, whether you're the family, whether you're the addict, um, comes with being able to surrender a sense of powerlessness and unmanageability of what's coming at you and say, you know what, here's where I'm at with that. Until I can arrest that fear that I no longer have to handle it myself, I can relinquish that to a process that's going to restore me to some sanity, right? Some kind of sanity where there's some serenity in life where I can wake up and face tomorrow without an impending doom. And then start to make some decisions based on those two principles that start to lead you to a process that starts to build hope, right? Starts to build some kind of hope for a right. brighter tomorrow. And and Todd, what I heard you say is that this is a message that not only needs to be heard by the one struggling with addiction, but just as much by the family. Oh, I think I think there's because I, I can tell you as 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 a parent of, of of a child you know who is addicted, the 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 pain that his mother and I felt oh for 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 a year you know and you you often you know waiting for that phone call right that's the that's the phrase that you that you always that you always hear it is it it, it is you know just just horrendous and just wanting it fixed just wanting it to be over still wanting to control it even after we realized. Even after we realized that that you know we didn't cause it, we can't change it, we can't control it. Even after we realized all of that, we still wanted that, we still wanted that to happen. So, so, so when you look at the family and what the internal 
um, fear is. First, there's this mental boundary that gets crossed. And what you're told is, most families are told, you know what, just don't answer the phone, cut them off, never see them, you know, kick them out. I'm going, hey, hold the train here. Let's first look at the mental boundary that was crossed and how do we come at that with a love angle that doesn't isolate them, that gives them hope instead of this despair, that there is a place where we can send them to, give them numbers, start to encourage the fact that I think you and I just talked about a minute ago, if you have a lifetime of using and you've just got two or three days, let's camp out on the two or three days and say, hey, that is awesome. Did you drink today? Yeah, I drank today. Okay, wait a minute, but you didn't use your drug of choice. That is awesome. Let's work through this right now. Let's, let's, let's look at the positive and not camp out on the fact that now I got to kick you out again. And so as you look at the mental boundary that was broken, but this internal boundary that, that, that the family deals with, okay, I did, was that right or was that wrong? Did I do the right thing? Okay, oh my, oh, and they start hyperventilating, you're going, wait, okay, slow the train down. That's why we have these family crisis groups. That's why we have a model that helps you process these boundaries, the mental boundary, the internal boundary, so then when these circumstances come up, because it's not if, it's when, you have some tools and some some other folks that can walk this journey with you and say, all right, good job. So, so Todd, good job. L- l- let's talk about that for a minute because I know you've, you've helped establish celebrate recovery in the, in the, yeah. in the Valley here. 2004, we started at Northwest church. It'd been going, okay. it'd been going 30 years, but we got to launch it here in the Valley over uh, underneath uh, a good pastor friend of mine, a dignitary in town here. His name's HB. He's a great guy. Um, he was a pastor there for a short time. And, so, and, 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 and I see Celebrate Recovery, you, you know, again, uh, if you go to our website at ZacharyHortonFoundation.org, there's a whole list of, of faith-based resources, and we have Celebrate Recovery, you know, listed there at several different uh, yeah. churches, uh, or you can look them up online uh, specifically. But through your company, and I remember coming in a year ago and and sitting down and talking with you and at that time, you had been doing all of this work, and you and I had discussed at that time the importance because one of the things that I missed was really having a family resource yeah. that, that did more than just you know preach the, the one negative message that I felt so much. And while I got a lot of support, I didn't get a lot of knowledge. Right. I, I, I didn't get anything that I could you know that, that I could necessarily use. Since that time, now you've rolled out. Um, an eight uh, lesson. It's a month long. Yes, talk about that uh, and t- tell so, us what th- tell us what that is. So, if you'd like to, uh, we're starting another uh, eight lesson module in January. And what it is, it, we just define first what codependency is. Codependency has a has a real negative term to it. Um, yeah. Hey, brother. Guess what? Well, I, I think we're all codependent. In, in fact, if you're not codependent in some way as a parent, you're you're not you're not doing your job, (laughs) you know, right. Hey, when, Hey, when the kid and until the kid grows up, he's dependent on you for his food. He's dependent on you to show him how to brush his teeth, how to to take a bath. So we grow up with that, but the the, the different difference comes, you know, when that crosses over to enabling or when codependency becomes dangerous. Right. And, and yeah, I'm sorry. No, no, it's great because my God has compassion, but where does compassion become control? Wow. So where where is it that my compassion crossed over to control and it becomes toxic and it does more harm than good? 
I'm just going to wow. go there. Jesus emulated compassion just because, hey, I'm not shrinking back. It is what it is, right? I came into this program. I didn't want to know God. And then all of a sudden, it's a whole nother story. Another, another podcast for that one. Big picture is when we start to think about how these two worlds collide, the addiction and the codependent, we both need to understand how powerless we are and, they've, and our life has become unmanageable. And when you can get to that point, so you can look at each other for what it is and not what you both want it to be and start speaking recovery language together, together and having really clear boundaries on, you know what? I don't think I can have that conversation today, dad, but you know, I want to have it. I just can't have it right now. I, I just, you know, right now I, I feel like I'm getting a hammer. I, okay. Okay, son. I, I get it. I, I, you know what? When yeah, you're yeah, but what a different response that is, you know, as opposed to, no, I said we were going to talk about it today. Yeah, exactly. T- t- dude, today's the day. <laughs> God, how many times can I hear myself saying that? And if I didn't say those words, yeah, that is most likely what he yeah. was hearing. Yeah. Right. And so as we process this out, if anybody would like to join that, you can call the office. And uh, it's all on Zoom. Uh, it's from 3.30 to 4.30. We meet on Mondays and Wednesdays. And it's one hour. And then we also have an open share codependency class for anybody who'd like to come on Wednesday evenings. And there's topics there. I run that group. So, I just so think, so Todd, for someone that and, and for for someone who who would want to be part of this group, what would their family dynamic need to look like? Now, do they have to have someone in in active addiction for this, you know, for, for this uh, eight, eight series point? Or or could they just feel like I feel like it's getting away from me. They may be saying, Pastor Todd, some things that you've said today, they resonate with how I feel. And I think I could grow from yeah, we this deal, experience. We deal in this uh, time and era of dual diagnosis. There's a lot of mentally ill. Some people will come and they just, uh, the elder, they're always taking care of their elders. And it, they just feel overwhelmed with that uh, tendency to caretake, caretake, and not care gives. You have to have boundaries in that. Then there's the addict, the alcoholic, obviously. And so it's just more of learning how to have great self-efficacy, build your self-esteem, and not be caught up in the cycle of compassion fatigue. Excellent. And and, and at the end of our podcast today, Todd will give everybody a phone number that they can uh, call, as sure. well as as well as uh, contacting us through the website and then yeah. we'll pass on all that information yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. But, but good. Thank you. I, I, I wanted to be sure and, and talk about that. That is something. So, you know, when, when, when Zach was in the midst of his addiction, his mother and I jumped, you know, I, I would tell people I, I went to four to five meetings every week. So my son was going to meetings while he was in, in treatment. Sure. Right. And I found, you know, unfortunately there weren't quite as many, Naranon meetings. I went to the one over at the Lutheran Church. You right. Know? So I found I them found not- them unhealthy at times. I, I, well, not that I not that I wasn't listening for the solution. It just the problem was talked about more than the solution. And I'm going, dude. It I, is the I, most I, negative place. Yeah. In a, I, I but, just but had to. I, I gotta say, I found some. I I did find some support though. You know, and again, as awesome. as parents, you know, for Lynn and I, we didn't know what to do or where to go. So it was better. It was better than not having anything. Right. So I would always tell somebody when you know when when you're at the end of your rope, you know, hey, a piece of twine is better than nothing, right? You know, so <laughs> so, so you know, so we I would go to a couple Narnon meetings a week. I, I went to the this other family group, uh, you know, meeting. I would go there uh, once a week, and 
And then I started, I would even, I would even go to uh, an NA meeting yeah. or an AA meeting. And I would just, just to sit in, here's what I found. The NA meetings were full of, and, and for those of you who don't, that's Narcotics Anonymous. It's so it's a, it's a group of, it's a group of uh, uh, people that have found themselves uh, addicted to, to some, to some kind of drug and, and they're seeking out their path to recovery. It was full of, just like you say, it was full of love. It was full of hope. Amen. It was full of, because uh, these are all people that for that day, they were sober. That's right. And so they compared that to all their worst days. Again, different than how I did. They compared that to all their worst days when they weren't sober. That's right. They were, excuse me, kicking ass and taking names. Absolutely. For that day, they were thrilled. I, I would go to my Narnon meeting and... You know, so while our loved ones are getting healthy, we still are stuck in our stinking thinking. Yeah. We're still stuck yeah. in our old ways of of a, of a thought process of, of, I can't believe he did this to me. I can't believe how bad, you know, I still feel so bad. What could I have done? How can this be my fault? Whatever it is, whatever our stories were, it was this. Now, and, and I can't, you know, I, I, I started doing a, a step program uh, and, and, and working, working through, you know, you know, my own program. That was different. Those were people that were committed to getting better. So I would say that if, if you're one of these parents and you're doing it and, and you're going to an r meeting and you find, you know, what I found, f- find the step program. Get to where you're with a group of people that want to, that want to get healthy. But I'm telling you, if you really want to see happiness, man, go to an NA meeting. Because yeah. that's that's where the people are. That's where that they're getting. I got a, I got a motto: happiness is an inside job, not an outside job. <laughs> and the inside, you, you know, you, you bring up. So we have a medical evidence based intensive outpatient program at Total Life Change, and we we really focus every week. We have an hour and a half with the families, game changer. So what I've seen to be true in most uh, medical evidence models of uh, intensive outpatient. Family maybe gets a piece, and we spend all this time working with the addict when really they're going to go back home eventually. So let's speak the same language. Let's get everybody on the same page early. Let's get them out early. And all of a sudden, you educate the family as well as you're educating the addict. And then all of a sudden, life and assertive communication starts to happen, and you don't have the control, the manipulation, the avoidance, the inattention the hostility, the rage, you can talk through it and you can start speaking openly and you can start to accurately state your needs and give honest feedback and you can hear each other. That's, what? Re- that's recovery. That, that that's just, recovery. That, that just sounds like crazy talk. Well, you mean you can actually, recovery. actually state your needs yeah. and be heard. See, now that's, I'm being sarcastic. That's wonderful. That's, that is, that's what recovery. That's what recovery is about. That's what it looks like. Yeah. Man, that is just, uh, yeah. that's incredible. God is good. That's incredible. Uh, Todd, as, uh, as, as we, as we wind down today, um, and I'm so glad I, I really wanted you to speak to that family piece uh, oh, because that's, have me back. I, uh, I, there's a lot more to talk about, uh, right? I, I'll, I'll tell you what that is to, to me. That was one of the having, having that knowledge, having that, having that kind of structure, knowing that there's more and more places. Cause there's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, of, of, of rehab facilities now that have that while their loved ones are in treatment. Mm-hmm. Not so much that you can find it outside of it, outside of that. Yeah. Right. And, and that's, unless you do uh, again, the 12 step program, which are limitations. Cause they have, 
they have their model that they're going to follow. Still better than nothing. I would, uh, in fact, I would encourage anyone that's that's facing that in the family to 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 be sure and, and touch base with it. But what you're doing with the families is so, is so a there, model that everyone so needs a, to follow. There's a difference between support groups and treatment. And what I'd like to kind of uh, kind of wind down with is this: is that support groups, C R N A A A. Um, life groups, those are all support groups. Treatment is where you get treatment. It's for a short time and the support groups for a lifetime. Treatment starts to educate you. Treatment starts to unpack some of these principles in a professional way that then you can take back to your support groups and share the solution and not just continue the problem. That's, that's, that's impressive. That's awesome. I like that. It's an evolution. I like that. Been doing a little while. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, so as as we as we close today, uh, Todd, I, I would I'd like to give you a, a few minutes to to speak directly to to our audience. You've you've talked a lot, um, you know, today about and oh, it's just so touching that the, the the focus that you put on love and in love in the family and and how we can get that back. Yours today truly was a message of hope, Hallelujah. right? And and I tell you, uh, brother, that's one of the things that uh, that I know that when when you're in the mi- middle of a of of dealing with a, a loved one who is challenged with addiction, and it just doesn't have to be addiction. It can be. I mean, like you said, there's a lot of other addictions that happen other than just drugs or alcohol, but it destroys the family. And the worst part about that is, as a loved one, all of a sudden there are times that you feel no hope yeah. anymore. And especially if the stigma of, of whatever disease that's kicking their butt keeps you from talking about it or sharing it with other people where you could get support, right? I, I mean, t- trust me, if you're in a family and if you're married to someone who has been an addict or an alcoholic for 20 or 30 years and you've never talked to your family about it, they all know. They all know. It's, it's not a secret. Yeah. Right. It's not, it's not a secret. Yeah. You know, everyone knows uncle Bob was nodding off in the Turkey last year. Right. right. So everybody knows. So let's talk, let's start talking about it. Let's, let's, let's start, let's start that discussion. But, but Todd, I, I want you to speak directly to our, to our, uh, to our, our audience. And, and uh, again, as you do so well, just g- give us that last message of hope that you can for, so, for us so, today. So it's brother. interesting. I, I've really enjoyed getting to know uh, the Hortons, and I, I uh, they give me hope. I When I think about what we talked about today and just um, perfect love casts out all fear, but fear casts out perfect love, and that fear comes with stigma. That stigma casts out some of those areas of hope, and we all want to give hope to one another. We live in a society today that has so many stigmas and roadblocks of how to communicate where we start to hear each other and not judge each other. Can we walk into conversations without judgment before it starts? I think that's going to break the stigma. Can we walk into a situation and say, how can I help? Or do you walk into a situation and say, here I am. If I walk into a situation with a sense of, I want to be a part of the solution and not the problem. That's what I want to leave people with today. There is a better tomorrow, and it starts with each one of us learning how to listen because you have to learn to listen and listen to learn. And when we start to learn to listen and we listen to learn and we can have empathy, 
and compassion with boundaries. Boy, life couldn't be better. Life couldn't be better. If anybody wants to get a hold of me, uh, you can uh, go to tlc777.org or you can call the office at 559-475-9779. Jim, it's been a pleasure today. I got to go run an anger management group right now. All right. So, uh, Todd, th- thank you so much. And, and promise me you'll come back again. Uh, you got uh, it. And we'll, and we'll talk Love again. Love to. Uh, everybody, thank you so much for, for listening today. Um, be sure to go find someone today and tell me you love them. Amen. This is Zach's dad. This has been an episode of Zach's Life. Thank you so much for listening. For more info on our foundation and for addiction resources, visit ZacharyHortonFoundation.org or check us out on Facebook and Instagram. If you have a story to tell and want to be a guest on our podcast, email me directly at jim at ZacharyHortonFoundation.org.